We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Win bet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs in every major sport, Win Bet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the Win Bet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns Podcast. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how are you doing? Very good, my friend. It's crazy to think that uh, somehow we made it. The <laughs> yeah. shortest offseason in Suns history, or I guess what? rivaling the shortest offseason in Suns history. No, I think the shortest. This it's one was shorter than... definitely the shortest. It might it be was one of the shortest than, uh, ever. Then 93 to 76, it was shorter than those two. Yes, right? because it's a shorter offseason in general yeah. because of uh, the season started late last year. And then the Suns went through the entire finals, of course. And and then it's a short offseason after that. So now it's like one of the shortest offseasons of any team ever, and just for the Bucks and the Suns. And yeah, here we are. We're, we're recording so, on Sunday, and there's a preseason game tomorrow. Yeah, 70-something days. Uh, I don't have the exact figure, but it, it's not supposed to feel like a really long time, but I guess, uh, yeah, I guess we made it. How are you feeling? I, I mean, look, low-key, there's a part of me that's, like, not ready for the season to come back. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I'm still, like, uh, recovering uh, yeah. from what we did during the playoff run was crazy. But mm-hmm. also, um, once you start to get back into the swing of things and see all of the the great Suns reporters who are covering the team via training camp yeah. and you see the quotes coming out from media day and you see the videos and it starts to hit you okay we're back mm-hmm. uh let's there you know there is an element of let's settle down and get to business that is kind of exciting yeah I think doing the internal development series helped me uh sort of get back into the mindset of covering it and get excited I, I don't know that I was excited yet I was sort of you know, almost dreading it in a way because, yeah. uh, it, you know, it just sneaks up on you so fast. And um, and it was such a 
tough ending <laughs> to the season. And then you start talking about these players and how young they are and how much they can improve. And it's like, oh man, this team could be really, really good. And I think that's kind of what got me back in the mindset to be ready uh, for basketball. Today, I watched NBA basketball. I watched some of the Nets-Lakers game. I mean, it was kind of NBA basketball, <laughs> but it was there. They were in their jerseys. They were playing on the court and it's already happening. Pretty crazy. I think I saw uh, Javon Carter started for the Nets in that game, right? Yeah, yeah, I saw did Javon he, uh, Carter. Did he play I well? Saw, I saw him I share. I saw him share on Instagram a highlight of Kyrie Irving uh, roasting him in practice and said, "If I see this one more time, <laughs> like, that's good. That's good. That's perfect. I mean, honestly, it's perfect for Javon Carter to be guarding Kyrie Irving in practice every single day. Uh, is kind of amazing. All right, Sam, we have something that we wanted to announce on this episode. Um, People who listen to this podcast for a long time, who, who have listened for a long time, or even new listeners really, know that we don't really uh, talk about ourselves that much. We don't do, do a lot of promotion, especially early on in the podcast. We usually save it to late in the episode. But there's something that we wanted to announce early on in this episode so that people listening have a chance to know about it. And that's that Sam and I, for the Timeline podcast, are, are starting... breaking out. <laughs> it's been a good you. run. It's been a long run, my friends. Yep. Imagine yep. if they opened this podcast and it was like three minutes long. <laughs> and that was the end of the podcast. No, that's that's too easy to tell. You need to leave 57 minutes of silence after this so that they don't suspect anything. No, what's actually happening is that we're starting a Patreon. Uh, we're starting a Patreon because, honestly, it's been a lot of work to do this podcast for a long time. And, uh, and we wanted to uh, try to bring you more content ultimately. That's the main goal for us. And people have asked us in the past, how can they support us uh, um, for this podcast and the work that we do on this podcast? And this will give people an opportunity to do it. I want to start before I get into just explaining it. And, and if you don't care about this, feel free to skip forward a few minutes. Um, but for those who do care, um, if you just listen and you're not interested in extra stuff, don't worry. We're still going to do the same podcast, weekly podcast for you guys every single week. So you'll still get the normal podcast that we usually release on Sunday or Monday. Uh, that will remain the same every single week throughout the season, save for a few <laughs> a few weeks that we take vacations off here. Uh, so don't worry about that. But for those of you who want extra stuff, we will be bringing you some extra stuff with this Patreon. Sam, I want to give you a chance to talk about it too. Well, I'm just, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited uh, for obvious reasons, but I think it's super important that you said that right off the bat. Um, we're going to do the same level of, of free stuff, same free podcast. Um, the YouTube channel content also, because many of you are interested in that, is not going to change. That will continue to be um, the baseline that everyone gets. If you are um, going to pay for our Patreon, it's going to be of your own volition, and it is only going to be because you are getting bonus content. That's going to be the only reason. So, um Yep. But yeah, I just yeah, think just, that's really important to stress uh, up front so that people don't think like we're pulling the bait and switch on them or anything. Right. It's going to stay exactly the same. It's just if you want to pay, that means you get even more. Um, but yeah, I'll let you do the explaining of the, the fine details. Yeah, I, we have three tiers and it's basically there's a three dollar a month tier that you can sign up now. Just go to patreon.com slash the timeline or I suggest downloading the app on your phone, but you can sign up there. Uh, three dollars is it just gives you a chance to support us with a small amount of money every month. 
Um, and that would give you access to, we're going to write, you know, Sam has written for the bright side of the sun and other places. And I've written in the past. I'm excited to write about the NBA for you guys. Uh, every once in a while, we'll put stuff uh, out in writing that we didn't really want to do on the podcast or, or just to expand on stuff we've talked about on the podcast. And that'll give you access to that with the $3 a month. There's also a tier for $6 a month that we're calling the overtimeline tier. <laughs> this is an extra podcast every week. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing extra podcasts in the playoffs. There was a lot, but it was a lot of work, truthfully. Uh, and along with the internal development series that you guys just heard, two podcasts a week there, we had a lot of fun doing that too. If you want an extra podcast from us every week, it's $6 a month. You can sign up at our Patreon. You'll get an extra podcast every week. We'll do mailbags, AMAs. We'll get into some weird stuff in the extra uh paywall podcast, if you will, <laughs> that maybe we wouldn't want to get into on the normal podcast. So those are people who are really interested in it. And there's a $10 a month tier. If you're interested, just want to give us some extra money. We'll give you thank you messages on our YouTube channel. Um, no pressure to sign up for any of these, but they're all available to you at pa- patreon.com slash the timeline. There's a link in the description of this podcast. Feel free to click it. Check them out. One thing on that too. If you sign up today, you'll get access to everything in October. You're not going to be charged until November 1st. So if you want to sign up right now, take a look at the stuff that we have for you this month. You won't get charged until November 1st. You can see the type of stuff that we're doing there. We're going to do our best to bring you interesting and fun content uh, behind that paywall. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, and I think the cool thing about the... Like, look, if we're talking about it honestly, we are both very grateful to be in this position where we talk to a lot of Suns fans every week but at the end of the day this is a very niche topic that we cover which means that the extra podcasts for those who are interested are going to be even more niche they're going to be super super niche um, and I think for for those who are interested that's a benefit like it's going to it can be super personalized there will be AMAs there will be mailbags on our weekly patron only um, podcasts uh, you can kind of dictate the way the conversation goes a little bit more. You can ask us about things that are not necessarily Suns related, but are otherwise basketball related that we otherwise don't get to. You can ask us about things that aren't basketball related at all. We're kind of open to doing anything with that amount of time and that level of space. But, you know, it's, the whole point is it's just going to be extra. Yeah. And the only the only other thing I would add with the YouTube channel, I've said this before on the podcast, but it's been a while. So I'll just say it again. Um I am very happy to have put out all the content we have on YouTube over the years. We have never seen a cent from that YouTube channel, and we never will because we haven't tried to monetize it because we so frequently use copyright-owned footage from the NBA. So if you currently go on our YouTube channel, if you like our YouTube channel uh, a lot um, and the content we put out, even if you see ads... If you see ads on our videos, that's because the NBA has, or, or in <laughs> some cases, other organizations have put placed a copyright claim on those videos. They are seeing the money. We are not seeing any of the money. That does not mean in any way you should feel compelled, like you have to pay for our YouTube content. Again, we're stressing no one has to pay. But just so you know, you, we've never made a dime off of YouTube. If mm-hmm. you would like the option to support, you can now do so. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately, Sam and I don't, we don't work for a website, you know, we don't work for a newspaper, we don't work for a radio station, anything like that. We do this uh, on our own because we like the freedom that doing it on our own does. Of course, Blue Wire has been a great resource to us. All of the uh, podcasts that you'll hear on the Patreon uh, will be ad-free. No more ads on those ones, so you'll just listen to just us talking for that time. And ultimately, the people that pay will be the ones that are... Uh, producing the podcast for us. So we'll give you what you want if you end up being a patron. For those who don't know, by the way, Patreon is a system for creators. It's a website for creators like us 
who create content where people can pay a little bit to get extra content. And so if you're confused, hopefully that'll help um, you understand that. I just want to say before we move on, we'll get right into basketball. Thank you to everyone who's listened to this podcast. We really appreciate that you have spent so much time with us over the last three years. We've done over 200 episodes now. Uh, of this podcast which we didn't even notice until until the other week we flew through so many in the playoffs doing one after every game Um, we appreciate everyone that listens to this podcast we appreciate all the interactions that we've had with you guys online if you end up becoming a patron for us thank you if you don't thank you as well i mean we appreciate all of you and thank you everyone for listening to us but if you want to check it out once again patreon.com slash the timeline, we'll talk about it every once in a while on here. We won't beat you over the head with it here or on Twitter. But thank you, everyone. Uh, let's move on. Stuff that happened in let's the last it. week. Lots of stuff since our last episode, which was about Cameron Payne. Um, media day. <laughs> <laughs> media day happened. Uh, and training camp started and is about to end. Uh, <laughs> so lots of stuff has come. Um, I want to give a shout out real quick. All the great Suns reporters that go to these events, we get so much good stuff from these guys. They ask such great questions, whether it be Dwayne, uh, Kellen, Gerald, Brendan, whoever goes to these events, thank you to them because uh, obviously people like Sam and I need it in order to do our jobs as well. Uh, So thank you to those guys. But we want to get into, Sam, actually you had an idea to talk about Media Day and Training Camp. I'll let you explain it. Well, it's it's that time of year. It's, you know, we passed through optimism season at one point. Now it's actually here. Training camp is here. Uh, you know, we put guys on muscle watch. There are these varying concepts that always come up, these quotables that come up in, in training camp every year. And mm-hmm. you try to decipher what's <laughs> real and what's not. So I thought we would play a very simple game today, Mike, of buy or sell. Um I'm going to give you some some things that were said, some videos that mm-hmm. were shared online that maybe made the rounds around Suns Twitter this week. And I was thinking we could have a little conversation about each one and, and the extent to which we actually think it means something or nothing. What do you say? I'm, I'm excited. I'm very into it. And I think it's a good time to talk about it that way because really there's no new players. You know, we have Landry Shamit. Uh, we have JaVale McGee. In the past, there have been, you know, Chris Paul last year was huge. <laughs> so to talk about him, we don't have anything like that. So I think it's a good way to look at it. And I think later on when we talk about Monty Williams, this type of stuff, these quotes will be a good part of that conversation. So throw them at me. Let's see. Let's see what they are. Okay. Number one, I've got a wave. This one's it's it's a two part because there are two quotes here. But in general, it's a wave of Mikhail Bridges hype, because if there is any player that we have heard the most about at training camp, Uh, I think it's Mikhail Bridges so far. And I want to break this down into two quotes because two different guys said two really interesting things today about Mikhail. uh, Not today, in the past few days about Mikhail. I'll start with Monty Williams. Monty was asked about Mikhail and his role and his development uh, just today. This is from Gerald Bourget um, at PHNX. Go follow him. I imagine you already do. Um, With the quote today from Monty that said, quote, I knew what he could do from cutting and moving without the ball, but now he's gotten so used to playing with the ball and we need him to. We want to put him in environments that allow for him to be a third option for us. So third option was something that Monty Williams said about Mikhail Bridges. That was just today. But then the second part of this is Chris Paul asked a couple days ago about who he thought added the most to their game from his eyes, his vantage point over the short offseason, and he also immediately answered uh, Mikhail Bridges. His quote here, that Mikhail is something else, man. Y'all think he's just some nice guy. 
but he's a fun <laughs> guy to be around and he works he works so you respect everything about him i'm excited for him this season end quote mike effusive praise from chris paul right monty williams using the term third option about Mikhail Bridges, which I think is something we've talked about, mm-hmm. you know, here before, just a couple weeks ago when we did our episode with Durag. Um, what do you make of the Mikhail Bridges, uh, Mikhail Bridges praise heading into year uh, four? Um, first of all, uh, hype, 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 which is very fun. But second of all, I thought it was an interesting kind of hype because it wasn't uh, Mikhail Bridges. You know, they weren't saying things like, oh, man, he, he worked on his shot a lot this offseason or... Uh, you know, Mikhail Bridges came back with 10 pounds more of muscle. It wasn't like that kind of... Which is what um, I was expecting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was more like... Uh, almost more specific in that it was saying that he seems to be ready for a bigger role. Uh, and and the Suns kind of needed that. And I think twofold. One, they didn't sign anyone really to be a scorer. Right? There's Landry Shamit. That's the closest thing that they got in this offseason to be a scorer. And then there's JaVale McGee. Those are the two biggest off-season acquisitions. JaVale McGee's a finisher. That's it. He's not creating for himself at all. Somebody has to be that third guy who can create shots for himself and for others. And there's two guys I think that you can point at that are going to be the two obvious contenders for that. And that's Mikael Bridges and that's DeAndre Ayton. And for Mikael to be that guy, when we looked at the stats, when we looked at uh, it, when we did our internal development episode about Mikael Bridges... I'd say that there's a good statistical case to be made that he can do a lot more, whether that be his ability to hit pull-up shots, uh, his ability to create and make nice reads when he passes to other guys, or his finishing at the rim. And you combine those three things, I think he has a chance. He specifically said, I know this isn't one of your quotes, that he worked on his ball handling in the offseason. He did say that. If he worked on his ball handling... And Monty Williams appears to be willing to give him a bigger role than I'm buying in. I'm buying in on this because, and here's the main reason, you can give him the ball 25 feet away from the basket and he can call a screen and he can do something with that. And the ability to have the ball that far away from the basket and be able to do things with it, that I think is the easiest way to give opportunities to a player for a coach. So I'm buying in on it. What do you think? I'm buying in on it too. Not necessarily to the degree of like, I know I've said in the past, I was really high on Mikhail Bridges like when we recorded our our Mikhail Bridges internal development episode and I remain high on him. Um, Looking at it from the prism of of trying to be realist, you know, maybe him being a third scorer means he averages 16 points per game this season. That's that's entirely within the realm of possibility. That's that it that could be all it means. You know, not necessarily that he explodes to 20, 22. I certainly think he has the talent and potential to do that as well. But in my opinion, we looked at the statistical profile with Mikhail, and it's really he's he's got the versatile three-step game. He when he wants to, he can finish on the inside. He's got the great mid-range jumper with the high release point. He's even shown the ability to hit pull-up threes occasionally. He does it rarely, but he actually shoots a really good percentage on them. He just needs confidence in reps. And I think the finals run gave him some confidence. And if Coach, if Monty's willing to give him the reps, uh, then watch out. I, I really think it could happen. So I'm buying fully on this. I love it. I love it. You got another one? Yeah, absolutely. Let's move over to the, ne- uh, the next four-year guy, his uh, uh. companion, Ah. Yeah, DeAndre Ayton dribble moves. This was ah. um, one of the most widely shared, if not the most widely shared video on Suns Twitter that I saw. 
an 11 second clip also from our friend gerald mm-hmm. of deandre ayton working on a drill where he catches the ball in the mid post mm-hmm. and he takes i counted three dribbles mike i counted mm. crossovers one two three multiple cross dribbles he catches the ball in the mid post he takes three dribbles and he ends it with a with a step back mid range shot. Obviously, it goes in. It's wet. This one 11 second clip got 15,000 views, which may not be you know viral or anything, but effectively for Suns Twitter training yeah. camp, that's that's going viral for Suns Twitter it, training camp. It might um, be the the clip that got the most plays from training camp. At this absolutely, point. it was a point of discussion because if DeAndre Ayton puts together a dribble package and demonstrates this soon into his career that he can do that in the game he's going to be a problem but of course the question mike buy or sell look i look maybe it's still optimism season for me (laughs) do i want him taking a ton of fadeaways not necessarily but i kind of talked myself in into him shooting more in our internal development episode about him because we talked about his passing and we talked about his driving And so much of what opens up the lanes either to pass or to drive is his ability to hit that shot. Uh, So I would, would I have preferred that he took one hard dribble towards the basket and dunked on whoever was defending him? Yeah. Do we know what the purpose of that drill was? No, not necessarily. Maybe that's not what they were working on, right? So it's hard to judge based on that one clip alone. Um, But I really, I, I think that he's at the point where that's the next step for him offensively is dribbling. Um, whether or not I want him shooting a ton of fadeaways, I think is irrelevant because I think what's important is he looked confident in those dribbles. Uh, I, I look, I, it's not much to go off of, so <laughs> it's, I'd, I'd it's rather eleven seconds. I'd One rather clip. buy in on. I'd rather <laughs> buy in on it than sell because it's eleven seconds. And if you're going to say, "Nah, he can't dribble," look at that. It's eleven seconds. That's that's bad. I think, and I think I want to buy into it, so I'm going to. I want to buy into it. I think that's something that I'm excited to see him work on. Um, hopefully, he can. We can see some. Look, we made fun of you on our episode, Kellen and I, about <laughs> you saying you only wanted him to dribble once yeah. towards the basket, maybe twice. Which I do. And Which we I made do. jokes about you saying that you wanted him to do crossovers. And then there was a clip of him doing crossovers. Doing kind a crossover. of funny. It is um, a little funny. And look, I don't think he's going to do a ton of that in a game. But, okay. But dribbling, well, I think, yeah. is, is more of a... Uh, anyway, go ahead. What do you think? Well, that's what that's where I wanted to, to take it. I mean, what's what's a better shot? Not to push back, because I want DeAndre Ayton to dribble in, in all the forms. Yeah. But what's a better shot? I he mean, catches, at the rim, he, yeah. He catches in the short roll. He takes one dribble and tomahawks it in a guy's fucking face, which is what <laughs> yeah, I want Amari him to Stoudemire, do, right. Versus three or four finesse dribbles into an Anthony Davis-style step back. You know, like, what, 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 what are we talking about here? The math on that one is pretty simple. However, I'll take dribbles in any form I can get. I buy the fact, if I'm being honest, it looked a little bit loose to me. This one 11-second clip. It's 11 seconds. (laughs) I mean, look, you're right, though. It it wasn't perfect. I think he can do it in practice. Like, I think he's talented enough to do it. I don't think we're at the stage. I'm going to sell on the notion of Monty, like, going into game one of the regular season and letting him do it. Well, That's that's my final. Do you have another DeAndre Ayton quote? Uh, no, not. I no. know what you're referring to, but okay. it's not in this segment. Okay, perfect. So let's talk so about shoot. it now, because he also okay. said uh, he he figured out the big man role that he didn't really like last season. Um, and I, I'll say this: I thought that was a fascinating clip. It's it sort of mirrors things that he's talked about in the past. Of uh, he doesn't like the idea of limiting him by calling him a big. He wants to expand his game, and that's important that he does expand his game. Um, 
And I actually, I'll be honest, I messaged you when it happened. I kind of liked the fact that he felt confident enough to say that he wanted to do more because sometimes what's missing with him is confidence and the fact that he's willing to go to the media essentially and say, I deserve to do more is a great thing for his confidence. I want him to believe in himself because that's the only way it's going to happen. Often he has the skills and he's just missing the confidence. So that confidence is huge for him. Um, Whether or not Monty Williams lets him do it, I think is entirely dependent on if he just does it himself. Because if, if he takes a few dribbles and hits a shot and then he takes a few dribbles and hits another shot and then he hits another shot or whatever, like over time he has to prove that he's capable of doing it in order for Monty Williams to let him do that. Now, whether that be in practice or in game, there are things that are there for him. Yeah, now, totally. That could be when they're dropping off of him, he takes that shot and he hits it or it could be they're dropping off of him he takes a dribble towards the defender he gets fouled he goes to the line that's what Embiid does right he can do both of those things uh or it could be that he's doing the DHO and he fakes it and he takes two dribbles towards the rim he gets fouled at the rim or he dunks it Mm -hmm. right those things are there for him without Monty Williams changing the plays that they currently run and and by the way you know we've talked a lot about Monty and I absolutely agree with all that but Monty himself has said the extent to which Chris Paul is is like another coach, an in-game manager for him. So Chris has to take a step back sometimes and understand leaving room for DeAndre to seize those opportunities as well. You know, not mm-hmm. getting on him too hard necessarily. You know, we always joke with Kellen about the time he came on our podcast last year and said, is there a 1% chance that he completely destroys DA's confidence? Obviously, that didn't happen last year. Mm-hmm. But you need to give him the space to grow and develop. And, you know, so if you kind of don't sweat it, if occasionally he tries a couple of those dribbles and you don't get the result you want necessarily. It's ultimately right now, it is up to DeAndre and to prove it. And and that's, that's not a bad place for him to be. It's year four, you know, like there's, he's had time to develop the offenses now, you know, Chris Paul's getting older. The offense needs a little bit more and he has the ball in his hands quite a bit. He's up there towards the top of the league of touches for centers. So it's up to him to take it now at this point. And I'm, that's the reason I want to buy it because that confidence that he had in saying that he felt he could do more is one of the biggest things missing for him in his game. So I want to buy in right now. And it's up to, it's up to him, I think, in these first few months of the season to prove to Monty that he can do more. And I'm excited to see him try that. Well, I will say you bought Mikhail being a third option. You bought Aiton being a, a dribble connoisseur. Uh-huh. If you're right on both, it's it's going to be spooky hours. Oh, uh, yeah. Be, That's a title contender, yeah. It's going to be spooky hours. Uh, let's move on. I want to talk about something uh, that Landry Shamet said. And this one, it actually isn't related to Landry Shamet, the player. I, I thought there were some interesting videos of him just shooting, shooter in the building type stuff that, that I remember Kellen shared and, and all the reporters videos of him shooting around it. It basically seemed like he led every shooting drill. But specifically, he was asked a question about culture. And I thought he shared a really interesting quote. Uh, I want you to help me decipher if it's just uh, lip service or if there's really something there. Landry Shaman on the Suns culture, he said, quote, it's a we score mentality. It's all a collective. There's a lot of organizations that try to preach it, but it's not felt and translated. And that's not the case here at all. Landry Shamit has had a relatively short career in the NBA, as we know. He's only played in three organizations the Philadelphia 76ers, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Brooklyn Nets all were very, very good teams by record mm-hmm. with Shamit on the team. 
And then he comes here and he says, some organizations don't have it. The Suns have it. What do you think, Mike? Buy or sell? How, how, to what extent has the Suns culture really transformed that players are saying this about us now? Or is he just trying to say what we want to hear? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's definitely transformed. And I love that idea of a we score mentality. Uh, look, I guess I'm just, I'm still in optimist season, right? <laughs> you are at today. You are absolutely rolling. I didn't realize season. like I haven't seen in a while. It's the <laughs> internal okay? development series, man. It's you, the internal okay? development. <laughs> I talked myself into this team to a very extreme extent in the internal development series. I think that was the main thing. Um, and so I guess that's where I am, but like, I do believe, I genuinely believe that Monty, uh, forgive the pun or forgive the word usage here, preaches the right things for the Suns. I genuinely do believe that. And I think that um, for Landry and for Monty, those two guys have sort of been circling each other for a long time here. And like they clearly wanted to work together. You know, Monty said that he, that the Suns tried to get Landry Shamit for two years and they finally were able to get Landry Shamit. And Landry Shamit clearly likes. Monty Williams a lot and I I believe that uh, Monty is the main reason the combination of Monty Chris Paul and Devin Booker along with of course James Jones is what it takes to counteract Robert Sarver (laughs) and it works it appears to work like this season will be a test of it because there are very very high expectations and with the expectations can come uh, disappointment because happiness as Jalen Rose says is a measure of expectations so if you expect more and you get slightly less, then your happiness goes down a lot. So that includes the owner at the very top. So this season will be a big measure of the big test for that culture change. But I, I don't, there, I've been given no reason to believe that it's not real. So I, I have a hard time selling on that one. What do you think? I'll, I'll buy it too, because I really do believe in, in the transformation that, uh, you know, also James Jones is brought to this team kind of from the top level and bringing in all the right guys. I think the more interesting thing here is just kind of given what we know about Shamit's history, who do you think he's shading here? Because yeah. he's, is he talking about whoever it is? He's either throwing shade at like the Embiid Simmons led yeah, team, probably. which I think it's, it's kind of easy yeah. to throw them. It's kind of easy to throw them under the bus right now. Right. Or he's talking about the Kawhi PG Clippers, or he's talking about the big three nets that he just played for. But I don't regardless, think it's them, yeah. It sounds I mean, like that's a Steve Nash coach you know, team, so yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say it's them. I, I could think, see it being the Clippers, man. I could, I could see yeah, it being it's about definitely the Clippers. I, I think the Sixers is the obvious choice that like people are going to go with, but I think yeah. a lot of that is kind of revisionist. Of like Ben Simmons was not always like this two years ago or whenever Shamit played for them, he was not yeah. like this. I mean, I, I mean, truthfully, he played on those two teams and they didn't really have a point guard. So just having a point guard uh, like Chris Paul. I think makes a big difference. Of course, Brooklyn had two great point guards and then Kevin Durant, so they'll do fine. I want to read a quote. Yeah. Forgive me for reading a quote from a Ted Lasso episode, but I'm about to read a quote from a Ted Lasso episode. <laughs> he said, <laughs> Beard, the character Beard said, we used to believe that trees competed with each other for light. <laughs> and now we realize that the forest is a socialist community, trees working in harmony to share the sunlight. And I'll be honest, I heard that quote and I thought of Monty Williams because... <laughs> I thought, oh, that's a we score. We that's trees have a we score mentality. They do uh, with sunlight. Uh, but yeah, that that's something that stood out to me in this last right. episode. Let's move on. I, I think that's a good way to end that one. Uh, moving on to the next one, I've just titled this one "Javale McThree," yeah. and it's just Gerald. Another video. Sell, from Gerald. sell, He's, sell, sell. 
He was killing it. I was going to say, if you bought this one, I might have to kill you. Uh, JaVale <laughs> McGee, along with the other bigs, shooting threes in practice. I watched uh, a, about a 50-second clip that Gerald uh, posted here, and I saw JaVale shoot two for six from deep, a solid 33%. That is for my advanced stat nerds. That's one point per possession. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I'm very excited for the occasional JaVale three with the shot clock running down or the or the time running out in a quarter. I'm excited for that. But I hope that's the only time he takes one. <laughs> that sounds like something that's going to happen like twice. Yeah, it's going to be great. And now we're going to celebrate. I'm going to tweet out the clip. People are going to love it. And uh and I hope he never shoots them in the flow of the regular offense. He did it for the Nuggets. He shot more threes for the Nuggets per minute than he had in any other stops in his career. Why? And well, he's playing with another center, essentially, yeah. with Jokic. And so, if you look at his true shooting percentage with the Nuggets, you can yeah, see what the It was the, the worst of his career, <laughs> or the worst in a long time. <laughs> so I hope he never shoots him. There's just really no reason for him to do it. He's going to be moving a lot, setting a lot more screens on this team than he was for the Nuggets. Um, so, yeah, I'm selling on that one. All right. Uh, last one. I will sell as well, by the way. Uh, last one, uh, final quotable that I thought was interesting to share coming out of training camp, and it's from the man himself, James Jones. I, I don't think he was all that present in talking to the media. He maybe only talked to them really on media day. Um, but this one's shared by our friend Saul Bookman over at uh, PHNX now. And he said, from James Jones, I don't think you can ever have too many Alfred Paytons on your team! <laughs> Exclamation point. Mm-hmm. Mike, buy or sell? <laughs> I think you can have too many. Um, you know, one I, I, is kind of the right amount. I think, I and think only it, if they're I, the third string. I will say, what I learned this week was that Chris Paul, Chris Paul and Alfred Payton have a weird connection. Apparently, uh, Chris Paul really vouched for Alfred Payton to get on the Suns, and apparently they've known each other since before uh, Alfred was in the league. That's how long Chris has known him. I don't. I didn't explore deep enough to know exactly why but i thought that was interesting um in terms of basketball talent i really hope uh elf lord is able to like turn it around this year <laughs> let me ask you but, this yeah a team of 10 alfred paytons right five alfred paytons on the court at a time constantly new alfred fresh alfred paytons that never get tired you just put them in and out could they win a single game <laughs> is is this like that question where you're asked like you have you have to fight off waves of yeah, third third grade. I'm Alfred just saying. Paytons, five. At I'm a saying time. who's How the worst team? Who's the, who's the worst team in the NBA right now? Um, um OKC when when OKC, SGA yeah. sits maybe. It's got to so be OKC. Let's say uh, SGA takes a game off. There's five Alfred Paytons on the floor up against OKC. Could those five Alfred Paytons win a game against OKC? Are they Alfred Paytons of varying sizes no. relative to their position? They're just Alfred Payton. Then I think they're really going to struggle to rebound and <laughs> score inside, like and do stuff like that. Now, if you ha- but but if you gave me Alfred Payton, right? Stay with me. And then okay. the Alfred Payton equivalent at shooting guard, and then the Alfred Payton equivalent right. at small forward, and like right? a seven like, foot I- Alfred Payton at center. Yeah, right? give me who's the seven foot Alfred Payton? Uh, maybe Javale. Actually, I don't know. Like I mean, a, Alfred Payton's uh, good at dribbling, so a like seven a, foot Alfred Payton would be pretty good. Like a Boban type, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I think that team, like, I think even the this, this process Sixers proved to us that even the worst assemblage of, of parts could win nine or ten games. I think and that I think a, a seven-foot Alfred Payton is a good player. <laughs> like, a that's seven a really foot, good. That's yeah, basically no, that's, like, that's like Bam 
out of bio. Yeah, <laughs> I, good I, defender. I, was, I meant like the center version of it. Yeah, but a seven foot Alfred <laughs> Payton is like kind of like better than Ben Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move. I on. think we definitively proved <laughs> that you can have too many Alfred Paytons there, though. They wouldn't win very many games. You got nothing else there, right? I got I got nothing. Let's go to break. <laughs> All right. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Monty Williams. I think the, the one thing that we kept coming back to in the internal development series is the challenges for Monty Williams this season, and we're going to talk about that after this break. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. All right, Sam, we just finished our internal development series, and I think that's leading to the conversation that we're about to have. I think, in a sense, we're going we're gonna to have the Monty Williams internal development conversation here. Uh, more than anything else, I think that <laughs> this is going to lead to a lot of people being mad at Monty Williams, depending on how you feel about certain players on the Suns, because there's only a certain amount of possessions that can go around, and uh, and he's the guy that has to juggle those possessions, him and his coaching staff, of course. But before we get to that, I want to ask you, are there any players that you wanted to touch on that we left off the internal development series? Because there are a few other guys. There's uh, Abdul Nader that we always forget. He's on the team. <laughs> Abdul. Uh, I don't. I don't. Yeah. You know, Jalen Smith is a guy that could legitimately get a lot better this season because he wasn't very good last year. Uh, Landry Shamit, not young, you know, but I essentially similar to Nader in age. And then Alfred Payton, also not super young. But these are younger guys that have an opportunity, I think, to still improve. Is there any one of those guys that stand out that you just want to quickly touch on before we move on to Monty? Yeah, they're, they're certainly not falling off in their athleticism yet. Um, I think Nader is actually pretty interesting, given yeah. that they did, I mean, not to deserve his own episode, but as an honorable mention, like right here, they did. They never replaced Tory Craig. So yeah. we've, we've talked about it a little bit before, but we have a, a bit of an interesting conundrum in like our ninth slash 10th spot in the rotation like that kind of power forward spot where either you just play cam johnson a lot more minutes which they totally could do 
Or you have to find uh, someone to wedge in there where Torrey Craig was playing, and that either has to be Jalen Smith or Abdul Nader. Based on what I've seen from Nader, the fact that Monty was so trusting in putting Abdul Nader in just a few of those minutes in the playoffs directly mm-hmm. after he came back from injury. Yeah. Uh, I think I would bet on Nader being like a 10-minute-per-game guy from the get-go this season yeah. with the potential to play himself into more. And, you know, I was just fumbling around with the B-Ball Index. I know we've quoted so much of their mm-hmm. stuff recently, but they have this lineup uh kind of optimization tool which takes like different i think i've referenced it before on this podcast but it takes different concepts like your playmaking your ability to get to the rim your spacing things like that and it assigns a grade to every single player and it allows you to pair any five players they could be on the same team but they also could just be any player on on different rosters throughout the league and you can put together hypothetical lineups and try to build the best the the best lineup according to those concepts and so the reason I was using this, I was trying to find the best Suns lineup according to each concept that they track, but specifically one that I thought was interesting was the Suns' ability to get to the rim. That was the only concept. Again, there's spacing, there's playmaking, there's mm-hmm. finishing at the rim. All of these, I was able to find a Suns lineup that ranked out in the 96th, 97th, 98th percentile, like the the advanced analytical tool or whatever thought, yeah, this, this you know, you put the starting lineup together, they can shoot. You put this lineup together, they can finish at the rim. You put this lineup together with the three guards, they can whip the ball around. Mm-hmm. But the one place where I struggled was the best combination of players that I could find for the Suns at getting to the rim was still only in the 78th percentile, which is good. Mm-hmm. but not very good in, in the grand scheme of things, especially if you're not going to play that lineup together all that much. And here's the important part. The guy who absolutely had to be involved in that lineup in order to even get up to there was Abdul Nader mm-hmm. because he really is good. Uh, and it's a very unique skill to him and not many other guys on this roster at just putting his head down and going for it. And that's going to be something that the Suns need sometimes. So I think Nader yeah. deserves a shout out. He's he's going to play a role. I think uh, a couple things on Nader. He's a good shooter. He's he's fearless when it comes to attacking the rim. He's not afraid to shoot, which I think is a huge thing. He has that sort of uh, Jay Crowder, no conscience thing. And he has arms as long as Mikel Bridges. Like, this is a nice tool in the toolbox for Monty Williams, and he's going to get minutes as a result. And, of course, you know, with Torrey Craig being gone, that means that he's definitely going to get those minutes. So I, I, that's a good one to point out. I think Jalen Smith, there's just not enough. There's not enough data. There's not enough film. For Jalen Smith, you know, we we somehow we talked about Landry Shamit on every single internal development episode, so we don't need to get into him anymore. I think uh, one thing I want to say about Alfred Payton, real quick, and then we can move on. Uh, you talked about getting to the rim. This oh is, yeah, I just thought this was so funny. Alfred Payton, his getting to the rim rating on the B-ball index is in the 99th percentile. Yeah, he was the other guy. So, but the, the, but but. His shot quality at the rim rating is a poop emoji. It's the zero percentile. It's the zero it. Yeah. So he's so that's one that, of the and best that, at getting there and one of the worst at shooting when he, once he gets there. That's the thing. It doesn't mean anything if you can get there and then once you're there, you don't do anything with right. it. So it's like Nader's not the best finisher in the NBA either, but he's really good at getting there and then he can at least sometimes finish. Peyton is amazing at getting there. And then, yeah, it's... What good does that do you? <laughs> but his, I will. His I will finishing give the is not terrible. I'll say that. Just as a rating, his finishing is not terrible. His decision making, when to shoot and when to pass out of it, is where that shot quality uh, thing comes from. And if there's a defender there to block it, uh, so yeah, I think he has to work on that a little bit in order to get any minutes. <laughs> All right, let's talk about 
some things with with Monty Williams specifically this season. And here's here's the main thing I think. How how does he balance development, like overall development of these players, with remaining one of the best teams in the league? And and what do we value, like you and I, of course, and what does he value? And and at what point does it switch from maybe development time of the year to winning time of the year? And and I think this is important because I think home court advantage helped the Suns. You know, they made it to the NBA Finals. Chris Paul never likes to lose regardless. He's going to optimize every single play. He's going to opti- optimize every single dribble that he can. He does not want to waste time in the in the regular season. And for him, Chris Paul specifically, losing is a mindset. So you can't lose in the regular season and take that mindset into the playoffs. You know, you have to win every single game that you can and take that mindset into the playoffs. Um, so what do you think, I guess, from your perspective, what do you think about this challenge for Monty Williams this season? I think it's going to be really tough. And I think uh, what you said a little bit earlier was pretty spot on of, unfortunately, it's a great problem for us to have. But I do think a lot of Suns fans are going to find themselves um, angry (laughs) with Monty Williams at certain points throughout the season because maybe they don't quite realize uh, or step back and reflect on what a difficult challenge that is to balance between all the various guys. We all want to see development out of Mikhail Bridges and, and see him take the next leap. Same with DeAndre Ayton, same with uh, yeah. uh, Cam Johnson and so on. You could go down the whole roster. Devin Booker even, yeah. Devin Booker even, but you know, we did those we did the series for a reason. But at the end of the day, you're trying to trying to stay with what worked to an extent, get back to where you already were, and we know that the main priority in this offense is still gonna be Chris Paul and Devin Booker. There's a formula that worked. And I think maybe 70 or 80% of what Monty is doing this season is going to be staying with that formula. Now, I could be totally wrong about that. One of the other interesting training camp quotes that I didn't put in our buy or sell series, but but which piqued my interest, was when Campaign was asked about what Monty was kind of chefing up. And he said, Mont- I think it was Campaign who said this, I, I, I don't remember, but he said uh, that Monty had them doing like entirely new stuff and kind of an entirely new playbook like he had completely reinvented himself and i i doubt it's to that extent but i am curious to see like because we're going to find out an answer pretty soon of of where mm-hmm. exactly monty lies on this spectrum that you're yeah. talking about yeah I, I and i like you talked about obviously devin book and chris paul i think the ability to create your own shot makes it easy for monty williams as far as just giving you the ball and i think that's why Beyond those two guys, there's going to be a competition. You're talking about people potentially being mad at Monty Williams. Monty Williams just saying that he thinks Mikel Bridges could be the third option for the Suns already had people debating in replies. Now, whether that be, I think that Aiton should be the second option or beyond that, I think Chris Paul should be the fourth option. (laughs) Some people are saying that. And like, he's basically Rondo now. And, uh, Look, that's that's exactly the type of debates. That's exactly the type of arguments. That's exactly the type of anger that, regardless of what happens, is going to happen because this team is stacked full of good players. That's a good problem to have, just like you said. But now I'll ask you. I'll throw it throw it at you. Who do you think should get the most touches besides Devin Booker and Chris Paul? Like, or maybe a better way to say that is usage, because I think it's going to be DeAndre Ayton. If we're just measuring it off touches, which is an actual stat. It's DeAndre Ayton. He touches the ball a lot. He does the dribble handoffs. He's the guy coming up to the screen, and he's just around the ball so much more. And, you know, a touch around the basket on rebounds is a touch as well. Um, so I think it's going to be Ayton. But maybe talking about usage, which is essentially, does your play end in a shot attempt or a free throw? 
who do you think will get the most usage outside of those two guys? Yeah, I think Aiton, kind of like we were talking about earlier in this episode, if he wants those opportunities, he can seize them to have so much freedom in the offense because, like you said, he is heavily involved at basically the initiation of every set, kind of from that high elbow to top of the key area. And so if he wants to start taking those dribbles, if he wants to start breaking guys down one-on-one and then make the pass, it doesn't always have to end in your own shot. I do think the opportunity is there for him. So so touches-wise, it probably is Aiton. However, if I have to fall back on anyone, I still suspect that it's going to be Mikhail Bridges with self-created offense, really taking a guy off the dribble and finishing over them with a jump shot. I I think if that's what we're talking about, Mikhail Bridges is is, uh, the pretty clear answer. Yeah, I think you're probably right as well. But I also think that it's going to be, like ultimately it's going to be a competition, the right kind of competition. At this point, it would be nice if you and I were talking about these two guys and understanding that they have already been signed to extensions, because if they haven't, then their touches and what they do this season can affect the contract yeah. that they get at the end of the season. So we don't know if that's going to be the case. That's going to and be part of the conversation later. There's still a little bit of time to take care of that before this season begins, but I have to admit it is a bit this should be a friendly competition, not something that Suns fans are at each other's throats about because it's such a silly thing, whether it's, you know, your first, your favorite player, your second favorite player is getting more touches is stupid. However, with the whole contract situation, there's a nasty undercurrent to it that can develop. And so I'm a little, little bit worried about that. And this is why it's vital for Monty Williams to instill the we score mentality into these guys because ultimately... The best thing for your contract is just winning. Now, it's hard to preach that. It's hard to preach that the best thing for your contract is winning if they don't give these guys extensions after they made it to the NBA Finals. I'll be honest. You have to reinforce that with cash, Robert Sarver, in order to reinforce that to everybody on the team. So it would help if he just paid these guys at this point because they did win a lot of games last season, the most the Suns have won in a very long time. Um like ultimately these guys will be competing for those extra touches because there's not a lot of them that that could be like really the guy that can easily most easily get touches out of any of the guys that we did like the internal development episodes on it's Cameron Payne really that's the real truth there because when he's on the floor he's the point guard the ball's in his hands the most and he's very good at isolating he's very good at picking his spots and it's up to the other players to get good at that as well Aiton's going to touch the ball a lot does he become more aggressive with it? Does he turn and face the basket instead of just facing away from it and try to dribble towards the rim? Or does he develop his shot to a point where it, he's confident enough shooting that over and over and over again when they drop off of him or driving by them when they step up to him? Or is it Mikhail Bridges and his ability to run the pick and roll, which the Suns do run a lot of? And it's up to those guys to find the time and the space within the offense to do that. And it's up to Suns fans, I think, to also develop that we score mentality if the Suns win a lot of games this season <laughs> if the Suns win a lot of games this season and 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 you end a game where Aiton only took four shots five shots or you end a game where McHale only took three or four shots who cares they won like we we have to feel that way too because that's how they feel on the team and that's the attitude that they're trying to instill but it's gonna yeah. be tough it's gonna well, be you tough. gotta realize that the Twitter culture you're kind of getting into a whole cultural thing there where it's like, you know, not everyone who participates in Suns Twitter, and this applies for any team uniformly across the league, yeah, or is Reddit. actually, yeah. or Reddit or anywhere online in this 
this hellhole that is the internet uh not everyone's actually a fan of the team you know some some people are only a fan of certain players and so that's where it can get nasty sometimes just don't don't engage with it heavily you know if you if you see people trying to pit mikhail bridges and deandre ayton together this season you should instantly know that that's just silliness it's not worth your time yeah and i i look i'll i'll advise people don't get into those arguments (laughs) don't even get into it those two guys are friends and they want each other to be successful and we should want both of them and all of the team to be successful as well and i think part of this conversation is how much does Chris Paul play? And how much, I think, say, does Monty Williams have in that? They did bring a point guard in. They didn't bring players that, like, Alfred Payton should not play with Chris Paul. (laughs) Like, they should not be on the floor at the same time. That means Alfred Payton was brought in to be on the floor when Chris Paul was not. Do you think that Monty Williams, now, we both agree that, the ideal scenario for the Suns is they try to keep Chris Paul as healthy as possible for the postseason. And that that also gives Monty Williams a chance to give the guys that get less touches when Chris Paul plays more touches when he sits, whether that be back-to-backs or whatever it is, maybe some rest before the postseason. Do you think that Monty Williams will actually have a say in that at all with Chris Paul? Yeah, I think he will, and I think you know if you just look at the the facts of how the roster is constructed, you don't even have to get down to Peyton. Campaign played 18 minutes a game last year. He didn't do well in the past when he was a starting point guard, but he was a starting point guard for a couple of years when he was trying to come up in the league. He would routinely play 25 plus minutes. He can easily handle that workload. You know, if you if you start playing Chris Paul 28 minutes, 27 minutes instead of 30. And you up pain to, to 21, 22 instead of 18. It's, it could easily sort of work. Is Chris uh, Paul going to allow Monty to do it? I really think he should. And, and, and I guess this is where, like, you know, it's speculation, so we don't really know. But I have a suspicion that as long as, as, long as the Suns are winning games, Paul, Chris Paul doesn't really have anything to complain about. I think he could get on board. I, I I really don't think it's asking too much to, yeah. to say, hey, can you play like three fewer minutes per game so we can do a little, little bit more experimentation, figure things out? He's still going to play the final six minutes of the fourth quarter, the the real important parts. Chris but Paul, I think he could get on board. Chris Paul just signed his last NBA contract, really. I mean, there's, there's a chance he plays after that. It's kind of unlikely, um, especially he somehow plays all four years of this contract. Uh, he'll be in his 40s <laughs> at that point. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, Tom Brady's doing some amazing things. Maybe he'll find his way onto the bench of a team and be able to come off the bench and, and do what he does yeah. from mid-range. But, like, in all likelihood, this is his last stop. And I think that we need to preserve him as much as possible. And, uh, and look, and, I, and I've said it before, <laughs> I hope it means less flopping too because I think he can get injured on yep. some of those flops and they're not going to call them this year, maybe. Uh, so he's got to take care of his body in every single way possible. And to um, that point, the, you know, the bag is mostly secured in the sense that this is his last NBA contract probably, but the bag is not entirely secured. If he wants to get to that final 40 or $45 million that's guaranteed on, on the back end of that contract, right? It's going to suit him better. There's more of a chance that the Suns will, will do that for him in the future if he's routinely given you, you know, seven, and I know it doesn't always work this way, but if he's given you 70 games a year, 
you know, you can afford yeah. for him to miss some time. But if, if he's he, Stockton, if he, if he gives you 70 games a year and he's only playing 26 minutes, you would much rather have that than he tries to play 32, 33, 34 minutes. And that's when something catastrophic happens. And now suddenly he's playing 40 games a season, if, if not less. So, you know, be cautious, uh, take, take the step back. And that really allows all those other guys that we were covering in the internal development series to experiment with various parts of their game. I, I, I'm not worried about it really affecting the Suns' play in the standings all that much uh, mm-hmm. either, if I'm being honest. Let me ask you this. Does it feel like, barring an injury, that Cameron Johnson's the guy that's kind of going to get left out here? Um, now, whether that be opportunities or chances to handle the ball, or even like in the future when this team is sort of staring down, signing other guys, that might be the guy that says, I'm not getting enough opportunities here. I might have to go somewhere else to find it. Now, that's no fear for this year at all. But like, do the Suns have the opportunities for Cameron Johnson? He sort of falls pretty far back in the pecking order of guys. He does. He does. Uh, you know, maybe he starts. We talked about it. It's possible. Yeah. Maybe he starts and that kind of makes up for it. But I don't know that there's more opportunities with well, the starting lineup than in the bench. He might have more on the bench. First of all, let's consider how, just, just to prep people, I guess, how ultimately rare it is to really sustain a, a core together of young guys like this for years and years and years. Eventually, I don't know when it's going to be. Maybe it's a year from now, two years from now, three years from now. But uh, the the likelihood of having like Devin Booker, DeAndre, and Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson all together for like half a decade or more, the only way that's happening is if the Suns build a real dynasty here that they start winning championships right now. So that's the first thing. But the other thing is you just said yourself, you were talking about campaign leading that second unit that he had more opportunity for increased usage than anyone. Cam Johnson's right there. It's It's on him to step up. If he wants the opportunity, if he wants, you know, there's no room for him to feel... Uh, left out necessarily if he's not seizing the opportunities that he has and I think he will have plenty yeah. you know at the at the end of the day we look at what Cam Johnson is right now and we've talked a lot about what he can be but so far he's been 90% a spot-up shooter he does drive sometimes he's good in transition when he does just like everyone else on the roster though he you know he, he needs to seize those opportunities himself because he does get them in the offense it's on him mm-hmm. to create those kickouts to prove maybe that he can play a little bit in the pick and roll like Mikhail Bridges has so mm-hmm. he's he's just behind the development of some of these other guys, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a chance that the uh, the whole team is different, <laughs> or like part of the team is different. They're by the end of the is. season. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the end of the season. Yeah. They're. Uh, I mean, absolutely. Not the whole team, I should say. Just like the these sort of rotations could change depending on guys and their opportunities to play and who earns it, who doesn't, maybe. Or, or even if there's like a like if if somehow Thaddeus Young is added to the team before the season starts, you know there there was of course reported rumors of the Suns uh, trying to trade for him. I don't think they have the assets the Spurs want. Um, not a lot to entice them uh, unless Jalen Smith comes out and plays really well. Um, so say say somehow they do get Thaddeus Young, that throws another really good player into the mix, and it's going to be difficult to find touches even even more. Uh, than even the current situation where they have a bunch of great players. But I think it's important for us to once again remind people this is a good problem to have, and it's the problem that comes with being a good team. You know, ultimately, I think for us, you and I, we have to be fair to Monty Williams this season. Uh, In our analysis, you know, two episodes a week, (laughs) every single week, of course, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty. We're going to get into decisions that were made in individual games. I do my best. I try 
to not overanalyze coaches' decisions in regular season games. Once again, I'll say what I've said. Uh, coaches are made or broken in the NBA playoffs. It's best to judge coaches by the decisions they make when it's a sort of a win or go home scenario like the playoffs. There's just a lot to juggle in the regular season. There's the development. There's the idea of winning. There's things, specific things and skills that the players have been working on in practice that they're trying to implement in a game that may not go well the first or second time or lineups that will look good in practice that they're trying out in regular games. So it's difficult to do that. So I guess, you know, Suns fans who are listening, keep this in mind. And you and I, I guess, we got to keep it in mind, right? I'll keep it in mind. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think we've been overly unfair to Monty at this point, certainly, but it's something that I'll keep in mind as we progress. I, and hey, I'll throw in James Jones, too. You know, if you really have faith in James Jones, as I think you should after the past year, then you, you kind of don't sweat it about, oh, what if Cam Johnson, like, gets, you know, wants to seize more opportunity and asks out, oh, Mikhail Bridges, like... Obviously, you want to keep these players here while they're good long term because they have tangible talent that we can all see and they help the Suns be a better team. But if James Jones is really worth his salt as a GM, there's forwards like Cam Johnson in the draft all all the time. I'm not saying he's not, you know, a good player, but is he like a franchise chasing changing player? You know, like if if James Jones is really a good GM, he can find more Cam Johnsons. He can find more mm-hmm. Landry Shamans. He can find even more Mikhail Bridges. DeAndre Ayton, I think, is, is a little bit of a different beast. I think mm-hmm. there's a reason he was number one overall. He just mm-hmm. has natural athletic talents that you, you just don't teach that. But guys, even guys like Mikhail Bridges, and especially other guys who are lower on the roster, it's like, obviously, you want to keep this core together as long as you possibly can. But if you really have faith in James Jones to being as good of a GM as all of you say he is, and I agree for the record then you trust in the process that he has that if he comes to a point where he has just too much of this plethora of talent and some guys are asking out because they're only getting 10 minutes per game when they want 14 or 15 Mm -hmm. on a middling team instead. If that happens, and I'm not saying it will, but if it does, you trust that he goes out and he finds replacements because that's what a good GM does. Every GM has to deal with, uh, uh, with finding replacements all the time, finding reinforcements. The, the pressure is on. The pressure's on this season. It's on for Monty, for Booker, for Chris Paul, for James Jones, for DeAndre Ayton, for Mikael Bridges, for even Jay Crowder. You know, Jay Crowder's been to the finals multiple times, has not yet won. The pressure is on this year in a way that it hasn't been since Steve Nash was on the Phoenix Suns for this team. And the next time you and I are recording, we'll be talking about preseason basketball, NBA basketball on my tv and for those who want to hear it our next episode will actually be this wednesday on our patreon once again just come back to that if you want to sign up patreon.com slash the timeline download the patreon app i highly recommend it it's the easiest way to listen to podcasts we're going to record after the preseason game this wednesday which there will be two by that point and uh probably thursday wednesday or thursday depending on when it is you'll be able to hear that episode um and hopefully we'll have other content up to uh, We will have other content uploaded on our Patreon for you to check out. Um, thank you to everyone for listening. We'll be back then. Sam, you got anything else before we go here? Nope. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening as always. Uh, enjoy the basketball this week. It's not going to be... NBA basketball. Yeah, it's, you know, enjoy Pre-season. Chandler Hutchinson and Chase and yeah. Randall. And, you know. <laughs> Landry Shamit might be starting. We'll see. <laughs>
worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.